almost a Matthews. Could we call her an almost a Matthews? Glad to have Miss Katie singing with them tonight before too terribly long. She'll be wed to our own brother Bryce, and she'll be an official Matthews. Uh, but for now, it'll be the Matthews and Katie. I guess that'll be the singing group, and uh, glad to have her here. I commended her tonight. I says, man, I commend your dedication. Getting in the family just, what, two or three days now, and already getting up on stage and singing. So let that go out to all of you future engaged peoples, uh, that right after you get engaged, three or four days, it's a statute of limitations. You got to get on stage and sing with somebody. I'm saying that as a dad of a daughter, hoping that that'll scare her from wanting to get married, to be honest with you, uh, afraid of having to sing. But so glad to have them back with us. And I guess for too terribly long, Brother Tyler, it'll be your turn to bring somebody back with you. You know, go off. Dad says, slow down, slow down, one wedding at a time. Good to see you back tonight on our Mother's Day Sunday night. Hope you had a great afternoon. I uh, hope somebody either took you out to eat uh, or at least, you know, maybe gave you, bought you a dessert or something like that. I know a lot of our people are out tonight with their families, uh, spending time with mom, and that's always good. Thank God if you still have your mom with you. I uh, hope you give them a call. Let them know how much you love them and appreciate them, and uh, I'm thankful for mine. She sat somewhere different today, all right? I, I normally would have acknowledged her, and I looked up this morning, and she moved. My wife has taught her that, you know, we have player mobility in sports now. Uh, now we have pew mobility. People move around in a sanctuary, and I can't find them, and mom was over here this morning, so I wasn't able to wish her a happy Mother's Day in person, but glad to have, have them here where I can see them tonight, and I hope you spent some time with the moms and the mother figures in your life today. What a blessing they've been uh, to us, and looking forward to sharing a little bit more tonight uh, about our moms that's applicable to us all. Uh, and I don't think we'd be good Christians tonight if we didn't preach out of Proverbs 31, okay? So let's go to Proverbs 31. Uh, I'm going to look at a few passages of Scripture, and uh, going off paper notes tonight, my wife says, going old school, huh? I said, yeah. Uh, that usually means a quicker message uh, if you pay attention and smile, okay? Just smile, act like you're getting it, nod your head. Every once in a while, squint and turn your head and shake it like that. I'm like, whoa, they're really getting it, okay? So if you do that, you get to go home quicker. But if you sit there, especially if you fall asleep, I'm like, I've got to say it again. They're asleep. It's got to soak in a little bit. So if you'll turn to Proverbs 31, we'll look at a few scriptures tonight, uh, try to encourage you a little bit out of this wonderful testimony of another mom of the lady in Scripture that God has given us as a powerful example, even to us dads and husbands. And as you turn there tonight, I do want to remind you of a couple of quick things uh, that uh, tonight will be the Rogers' last Sunday night with us. There they are. They'll be heading back to the mission field this upcoming week. And at the end of service tonight, we're going to have a time of prayer and pray with them as they'll be traveling a long, long way from home in a very tough area to go do the will of God. So we're going to pray with them at the end of service tonight. Also, we've had kind of a special offering wide open. We just kind of left it open until now. Uh, we'll close that out tomorrow morning. If you've not given to the Rogers travel expenses but would like to do so, be sure you get in touch with Miss Shelley or go on the app uh, and go down to uh, the button with their name on it. We'll close it out tomorrow morning. Make sure they have uh, enough money to get there. Amen. Uh, and then don't forget, we have a few special prayer requests. Continue to remember Brother Ballard, uh, as well as he continues to go through treatments. Uh, and uh, Brother Chico's wife, Miss Lily, pray for her. She's gone home now, and pray that she'll continue to recover. Uh, and then also, Miss Ann Miller's brother is, uh, is, is battling cancer and has asked prayer of us as well. So you pray for them uh, in the days and weeks ahead. The Lord would bless and give grace. And then before we pray, I do want to thank everyone for all of the cards. I've not opened one yet. It's been a busy afternoon. Hadn't had the opportunity to do that. But thank you very much. We appreciate your prayers and support for our family. When Brother Nate mentioned this morning that uh, uh, this was our three-year anniversary, I 
honestly wanted to ask him, are you sure it hasn't been 30? Uh, because it feels like that. Probably the most unusual three years I've ever had in ministry. It's been different. Uh, it's not always been fun, but it's definitely been different. And uh, I can't tell you how much we've appreciated your prayers and support. Uh, I tell people all of the time, uh, Mark Twain says that he could live off of a good compliment for about 30 days. I can live off a little bit of encouragement for about a month or two, and I appreciate all that that has meant to us in the three years we've been here. And I'm not going to say I hope things normalize because I'm not sure what normal is anymore. But if you'll continue to pray for us, I assure you uh, we will get through whatever God's will is for us in the near future here as a church. Proverbs 31, remain seated tonight. If you don't mind, I'm going to read a lot, and I want you to pay close attention. Look down to verse 10. Let's go to some predictable verses tonight. Proverbs chapter 31, and let's look down to verse number 10. The Bible says, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She, ar she riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. <clears throat> her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Now, watch verse 26 and verse 27. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up, and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her. In the gates. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you tonight, Lord, for this wonderful day. Uh, Father, we could be back in your house again. Thank you, Father, for the extra blessing that we honor our mothers today. Thank you for them. Thank you, Lord, for the ladies that you have sent in our life, uh, Lord, to help be that blessing and encouragement to us uh, as we've sought to do your will. Now, Father, I pray you'd help us be a blessing in the message tonight. Help us take your word and preach what you've given to us. Help us receive it and respond to it tonight. We do pray for those that we've mentioned. Lord, many of our people tonight have needs of their heart, needs of their home, and needs in their health. And we lift them up to you, particularly those, Father, that have been in and out of the hospital, uh, going through treatments. We pray you give grace, uplift them, Father, give healing. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just go ahead and put you at ease. We're not going to preach out of all of the verses we mentioned tonight, okay? I can see some of your faces and you're thinking, oh, my soul, we are going to be here past 8 o'clock tonight. No, I just wanted to read all of those to give us a context uh, of a testimony of someone that God has given us of someone that he valued, 
okay? Uh, when it comes to matters of value as a child of God, uh, if we want to please God, we've got to value the things that God values, correct? And thanks be to God, he's given us in his word so many examples of both men, women, and children uh, that we can read from and learn from uh, based on the things that God has praised them for. Uh, and so something that's important to God needs to be important to me, correct? If I want to please God and hear well done, I've got to find the things that are important to him, and I've got to be about doing those things that I might hear well done one day. That's all that's going to matter to us, by the way. That's all that's going to matter to us. Number one, that we were saved. And number two, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'll be honest with you, I get goosebumps thinking about it. All right, I do. I get goosebumps thinking about hearing from my father, well done, thou good and faithful servant, okay? And so if we're going to please God, we've got to know what is pleasing to God. Reminds me when I was in college, my first semester, I had Western Civ. Oh, horrible. <clears throat> and I heard the teacher was quite the disciplinarian and quite the non-funny, joking type of person. Not the kind of person I get along with, to be totally honest with you. And so I'm trying to figure out how to get on her good side. I won't call her name because I believe she's still living and could be watching tonight and revoke my diploma if she heard me say this story. So I asked someone, I says, what is she into? And I heard she was an old Miss fan. I was like, ha, I can't go that way. You know, I just can't go that far. Sorry, Brother Ben. I just couldn't get into it, you know. And I said, well, what else is she like? Somebody says she likes the Civil War. I'm like, okay, I, I can gravitate toward that. And, and so I went up to her and I asked Miss so-and-so. I says, hey, I hear you're interested in the Civil War. Uh, could you recommend some good books on the Civil War? All right, I'm trying to relate to her, win her over that she'll be my friend and nice to me on test. She looks down at me. She says, oh, you're interested in the Civil War? I says, well, absolutely. Couldn't you tell? And she says, well, I would recommend the book North and South. And then all of a sudden, as if the Holy Spirit tipped her off, that I was really just trying to get on her good side, her demeanor changed. She says, but it's quite a long book, and there's no pictures, so you probably won't like it. <laughs> it backfired. I was trying to get on her good side. I got on her bad side, and I was on her bad side until I graduated four years of Bible college. It was that class, by the way, that I lost my scholarship. I got a C in Western Civ, all because someone told me to go ask her about the Civil War. Now, what was the plan, all right? I wanted to be friends with her, uh, and I wanted her to like me, and so I tried to find out the things that she liked, okay? Now, if we are going to please God, we've got to find the things that please him. And the Word of God is full of examples of what pleases our Father. By the way, we ought to thank God for that. He doesn't leave us to fly blind and just figure it out. He records in his word the things that do and don't please him. And all we have to do is read the book to find it out, okay? Uh, we don't have to go ask dumb questions. We just say, hey, what does the word of God have to say on the matter? Now, the reason we've got to consult the word of God is all of us have different value systems, correct? What is the old phrase? One man's trash is another man's treasure. You come in my office, you think you've walked in a flea market. no. No, no, no. Those are priceless treasures on my shelves in there. 
I had all of the teenagers in there for the last chapel uh, of this school year. We, and we had Krispy Kreme and we had coffee, having a good old time. And that's my chance to tell all of the teenagers about the treasures upon my wall. We got off on the subject of the frying pan this time, didn't we? I have a frying pan. Uh, I think every man ought to have one of those in his office. Amen. Resourceful Boy Scout there on the wall in my office. We talked about the treasures that are there. But if you walk into my office and you said, look, this is going to be your office, I'll bet you you would throw 90% of it away. My wife wants to all the time. She, look at her looking at me right now. I mean, listen to me, folks. If I die of a heart attack, if the next three years are like the first three years, there's a good chance that's going to happen, okay? If I die of a heart attack, please do not let her box up my treasures and take them to goodwill. I mean, they're not going to appreciate them. They're going to put a dollar price tag on that frying pan that I worked so hard to get. Why? I value those things. Most people don't value those things. We all have different value systems, all right? Uh, what is it? Uh, beauty is the eye of the beholder. That means we all have different value systems that we work off of. Now, it's important tonight that we use the Word of God to find out what's valuable to God because He's the one that's going to matter. Okay, uh, we're not going to debate when we get to heaven whether or not what we did with our life and our time was important because we don't get to be the judge. At the judgment seat of Christ, God Almighty is going to be the one judging our works and finding out whether or not they were valuable to him. Maybe we should rethink some things. All right, because not just what I think is valuable is valuable. It's what God knows is valuable. And so we've got to figure out what is valuable to God. Now, here's the neat thing, Proverbs 31. The Bible's obviously speaking about a lady, a wife, a mother. And it's very obvious from God's testimony of her in chapter 31 uh, that she had a lot of things that God considered valuable in her life. And these are not just exclusive to ladies. So we're going to get a glimpse tonight of God's value system. And here's the message, very, very simple. The message tonight is God's view of what's valuable. I'm not going to give you the notes up there, so you're going to have to listen, okay? God's view of what is valuable. And I want to give you three things about this Proverbs 31 woman that every man, woman, and child need to adopt in their life if we have any chance of hearing well done when we stand before the Father. Now, folks, it's like God giving you an open book test. It's, this is the book, by the way. God's telling you, these are things that are valuable to me. You see the end of the story? The Bible says, give her the fruit of her hands. He says, look, here's the reward. Why? Because she did what was valuable to him. So three things tonight that we're going to learn from the Proverbs 31 woman on God's view of what is valuable. Now, look down to verse number 10. We'll find the first one. Remember, smile, shake your head, cock your head every once in a while and squint, and I'll think you're listening. Verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman? Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Now, you don't have to be a theologian tonight. I figured this one out to see that right there in verse number 10, God is showing us, number one, the value of our virtue. All right, that's number one, the value of our virtue. Now, God says right here, right off the bat, that who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. Now, I don't know about you. I haven't bought many rubies lately. I don't know. Maybe you did for your wife, your mother for, uh, for, uh, for Mother's Day. And hey, if you did, bravo for you. But I haven't bought any lately, so I had to Google it, okay? That's where we find out all the great mysteries of the world. We Googled that. And I Googled it to try to find the value of a high-grade ruby. You know, they go by the four C's, cut clarity, and all of that stuff. 
A high-grade ruby, one carat, can go for $100,000 or more. The highest-graded ruby, all right? That's why I haven't bought any lately, all right? You know, those ones they make in the lab look just as good, okay? Come on, man, swallow your pride. No, I wouldn't do that either. I'm, I'm with you all the way. I promise you, your husband went by that. It's real. Trust me, it's real. Don't go get it tested. But he says, a virtuous woman... God says, I'm trying to show you what I value, and what he valued in this woman's life was her virtue. Now, what is virtue? What is virtue? Now, if all of us talked about virtue tonight, we would give our definition of virtue. It's kind of a commendable actions. That was a very virtuous thing to do. Someone is living virtuously. We watch people, we watch their actions, we watch their habits, and they are virtuous in them. They are commendable, high standards of living. Now, granted, that's a great definition, but God's definition of virtue goes far deeper than just our actions. Do you know if you looked at the Pharisees, you would say they were virtuous? If you looked at them, they looked virtuous. They talked virtuous. They acted virtuous. But see, that's the difference in God's definition of virtue and our definition of virtue. Our definition of virtue oftentimes is shallow just based on our actions. But God's definition and Scripture's definition of virtue goes to the heart of things. Being virtuous is not a matter of just the things we do. Being virtuous to God is a matter of who we are, all right? If you are a virtuous person, you will do virtuous things, but it requires you to be that on the inside first, and it goes to the outside. Now, we've got to get this tonight because we may think we're virtuous as the Pharisees thought they were virtuous, but he looked at them and says, you're a whited sepulcher. You look good on the outside. You got it all dressed up, and you got it all cleaned up, but you're full of dead men's bones. When he says full of it, he was talking about what's on the inside. He says, you look virtuous, you act virtuous, you talk virtuous. They even knew how to make themselves look like they were fasting. You know, it's been a long time since I have, you can tell. They even made themselves look gaunt and pale. They looked like they were living virtuously, but Christ says you're full of dead men's bones. Why? Because he sees on the heart, that's what God's valuing. Now look, listen to me. I, told, I was preaching a revival uh, this past week up in Enterprise, Mississippi, uh, and we were talking about, look, cleaning up the outside, hoping it'll soak in, all right? Virtue doesn't soak in. Virtue seeps out. Hear me out. It, he said, well, if I clean up and I put on enough cologne, enough deodorant, it's going to soak in and I'm going I'm to be good on the inside. No, listen to me. It seeps out from the heart, Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So God says, I want you to know, look, I want you to be virtuous on the outside, but the virtue on the outside is a result of the virtue on the inside. It's seeping out of the abundance of the heart. Now, what I love in Matthew 12, 34, is it says out of the abundance of the heart. It didn't say out of the presence, like, you know what, I got some in there. Out of the abundance, it overflows in abundance. When the teenagers came in for coffee the other day, I bought some Golden Grahams coffee creamer. Did y'all try that? My favorite cereal in the world, Golden Grahams. And I, I went home and I thought, man, Golden Grahams and coffee, that's, that's just a perfect mix. And I poured some in my cup. And when I poured it in the cup, I put the, the Keurig on 10 ounces and it started filling and I walked off. 
you know, it's in there, it's filling up. And I came back, and it was overflowing. I put a little too much creamer. Uh, my, my wife rubbed off on me on that one to where she likes a little coffee with her cream, uh, and I had it too much in there. And it was overflowing into the catch basin of the Keurig. What happened? There was an abundance of it. So if we want there to be an abundance of a virtue in our life, it's got to begin in here, not just some of it. Well, I've got a few areas of my life I'm virtuous on. Uh, I'm virtuous on Sunday morning. I'm not virtuous when I do my taxes, but I'm virtuous in these areas. No, it's got to be an abundance that overflows on the outside. And God says, I'm looking on the inside first. That's what virtue is to God. Matthew 23, 27 is when he said, you're a whited sepulcher full of dead men's bones. Now, watch this. In 2 Peter, the Bible talks about the foundation of our faith. What is the first thing that he says to add to it? And add to your faith, virtue. Virtue. Now, why is it important that we add virtue to our faith? Hear me out tonight. Virtue is our strength. Virtue is our strength. Our Christian virtue is our purity that produces strength in the life of the believer. When we are virtuous and pure, as God would call us to be on the inside, we have power to do those things God's calling us to do. Then you look in 2 Peter at all of those other things, temperance, patience. Oh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. You're going to have to have strength to be patient. I'm still dealing with it. I'm still dealing with it. It's hard. Where do you get the strength? Watch, there's a reason virtue comes before patience. Because you will not have the strength to be patient if you're not virtuous. And our virtue is what gives us strength. That is our power. I was talking with my dad this afternoon about Luke chapter 8. The woman who had the issue of blood, who touched the hem of his garment... Now, do you remember what happened? Do you remember what happened? Jesus said, somebody's touched me. He says, for I perceive that virtue had gone out of me. Power. And the virtue of Christ healed that woman. The power of Christ, his virtue, healed that woman. Now, folks, can I tell you, there's power in virtuous living You will find yourselves being able to do all the other things 2 Peter has to say that we add to our faith, but you got to have virtue. By the way, virtue overrules talent every day of the week. We put a lot of stock in talent and a lot of stock in knowledge. Nothing wrong if you got it, okay? Don't walk around here tonight saying, man, I'm one of them dumb, talented people. No, if you got talents, glorify God with them. But I'll promise you, your talent is worthless without virtue. Why? There's no power in it. I mean, good grief, there's TV preachers out there. And they can preach circles around me, but they have no power in their ministry. Why? Because they're not virtuous. Virtuous. Listen, don't put too much stock in knowledge and talent. Put stock in what God values, and God values virtue. I remember right after 9-11 happened. I was 21 years old, and we were building a house in Cola, Mississippi, right outside Collins. And uh, we heard the news that the planes had hit the towers. And as we were listening on the radio, we didn't really listen on our phones back then. I know that's crazy to you guys, but we had to bring a radio outside and pull the antenna up, you know. This was 2001, uh, but, man, it seems like uh, ages ago, back in the Stone Age, And I remember we were listening to what happened, and and we heard that building had collapsed. We couldn't believe it. This this massive feat of American engineering 
had collapsed. And one of the reports I read, whether or not this ended up being the actual cause or not, I don't know. But one of the reports I read was very interesting. That the planes they chose were long-distance planes who were full of fuel. Full of fuel. So that when they turned back from their cross-country flights and flew into those towers, and they hit those towers, that jet fuel ran down the elevator shafts of those buildings. Superheated jet fuel. And here's what they said. The steel lost its integrity. The steel got so hot when that jet fuel went down those elevator shafts, it weakened it. Why? It lost its integrity. What is integrity? Strength. You see, it was compromised. That's what virtue is for the Christian. You lose your integrity, you've lost your strength. And just like those twin towers, you're going down. It doesn't matter how good you look on the outside. Those buildings were huge, colossal. Not even Osama bin Laden thought those buildings were going to fall. But once you undermine the integrity, by the way, you can't spell integrity without I-N. It's on the inside. That's where integrity's at. And once you weaken something from the inside, it falls on the outside, regardless of how good the outside looks. So here's what God's saying. God says, look, here's a mother here that you need to learn from. Here's a mother who had virtue in her life. And he says she has a price far above rubies. Why? Because she had it in here. So tonight, let's learn the first thing that's valuable to God. Let's learn that God's view of what's valuable begins with virtue. Look at verse 10. Who can find it? That means it's something that is rare. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. Can I encourage you young people to get one thing? I hope you get, uh, get a lot of education at the school you're going to. If you're going to higher school, I hope you get smarts and learn how to add numbers and letters and, you know, diagram sentences and all of that. I hope you really, really do. But, man, by God's grace, you better get some virtue because all the stuff you learn is worthless without it. Virtue is going to govern all of the rest. Proverbs 10, 9. I've got to hurry, man. The Lord just multiplies and multiplies these points. Proverbs 10, the Bible says, He that walketh uprightly walketh surely. He that walketh upright, what is that? That's virtuously. Proverbs 11, the Bible says, verse number three, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. So number one, what does God value? God values virtue. Now look down, if you will, to verse 26. You just got excited. We went from 10 to 26, and you're like, yes, we'll go back and catch the others later. Don't worry. I'm picking, we're not. Verse 26, the Bible says, she openeth her mouth, with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. So God's commending something in verse number 26. We're getting a glimpse of her conversation, of what she's talking about. <clears throat> and the Bible says she opens her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. The second thing I want you to notice tonight is that God values our voice, the value of our voice. God says, I, I want you to pay close attention to what she's saying, because what she's saying is valuable to me. <clears throat> Have you learned in your life, as I have learned and relearn every day, that this thing in my mouth can do a whole lot of good or a whole lot of bad? How many times on a daily basis do I tell my wife, me and my big mouth? I mean, this little two-ounce thing in my mouth, you're thinking it, it wouldn't be so much trouble, but oh, my soul. The Bible has a lot to say about the tongue, James 3, 5. 
The Bible says the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. These things can cause a lot of trouble. How many times have I had friction in my marriage? I'm pointing to me, but I'm also pointing to my tongue. Me and my big mouth. You can use it for the glory of God or for the grief of yourself. And I want you to notice the potential that the tongue has. Proverbs 18, 21, the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So what did God value about this woman? First, he valued her virtue. But then he valued her voice. What did he value in her voice? Verse 26 says she's opened her mouth with what? Wisdom. With wisdom. God valued a voice of wisdom. Now, I'm sure we've all read through Proverbs. I hope you've been reading through it in our daily Bible reading. And you read all of the benefits of wisdom. I mean, Proverbs is full of all the benefits and blessings that come along with wisdom. A few of, a few of them are wisdom promotes us, the Bible says. Wisdom brings us to honor. Wisdom gives us an ornament of grace about us. Wisdom gives us a crown of glory. And the Bible says that this woman, when she opened her mouth, she gave wisdom. Now, what is wisdom doing? When you give someone wisdom, you are building them up. You are edifying them. Wisdom, what does it say? Wisdom promotes us. Wisdom brings honor, gives an ornament of grace and a crown of glory. Wisdom is edifying us. God says, I value a voice that is edifying, that is building up, and that is adding to someone. With this little thing right here in your mouth, you can build someone up or you can tear them down in an instant. In an instant. The greatest times I've been hurt in my life, if you, if you pick five, the greatest times I've ever been hurt in my life, I'll guarantee you half of them were just words. You remember when we were kids? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but you better believe words can hurt you. They do hurt. They pierce deep into the belly, the Bible says. Words can do that. And God says that all of us have that power. I mean, I've had kindergartners before just cut me down. Uh, you know, they're slick nowadays. Watching TV and YouTube, they learn how to cut you down, and I'm not that sharp to really know. Sometimes I don't even know when, when they're insulting me. But with the tongue. That's why the Bible says this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to what? Edify. Edify. Do you know how you edify someone? Give them wisdom. Build them up. Give them something that's going to help guide them and strengthen them and encourage them. God says, you have the power to do that. The other day I was in uh, Dollar General on Elks Lake and a uh, long line, you know, they took out one of the two registers now at our Dollar Generals and they have the self-check that is there. And um, I guess it saves a little money on that end of things. And, uh, but you got to have cash. You have to go to the person if you have cash. Man, the line snaked back all the way back into the Little Debbies. People were just back there, you know, waiting. And this lady was trying to get a coupon, and it was going to save her $2. The lady was trying to scan it. She was doing her best. She was trying to scan it, but the coupon just wasn't scanning. And the lady wanted her $2 off toilet paper or whatever it was that she was getting. And so, man, they're trying to scan it. It says improper code, and all this lady says, I know this is a real coupon. I got it out of the mailbox, you know, or printed it off the Internet. I know it's real. And so they kept going back. I'm not kidding. Ten minutes, we're sitting there waiting. Finally, this guy in the back hollers out, I'll give you the $2. <laughs> 
And then the cash, cashier looks up and says, just be patient when it's your turn, sir. He goes, listen, I'll give you $5 out of my pocket. It doesn't matter. Just can we get moving on? Well, then everybody in the, in the line starts grumbling. Don't you be mean to her. She's probably had a tough day. And then next thing you know, we're fixing to have a riot in Dollar General over $2 off toilet paper. I mean, tensions are high in the world right now, okay? $2 over toilet paper, that's a big deal. I mean, that's like a, a quart of gas nowadays, Man, I'm sitting there just kind of, I'm caught between the freaks, you know. I'm just sitting there myself with some tortillas. We have a rule in our house. Every time you go to Dollar General, get a bag of tortilla chips. Every time you go, get a bag of tortilla chips. Why? You always need tortilla chips. Isn't that a rule in our house? Always. We used to get Velveeta until it got too expensive. So now we just get the tortilla chips and the canned cheese. You know, make it work. No, I'm picking so I'm standing there in between these people. Man, they're just griping and grumbling. I'm thinking, this is going to end badly. How can I calm things down a little bit? So we're, now we're kind of working through the line, and I get up there to the line, and I, says, I said the dumb question. You know, reflex, should have thought about it. I said, so how was your day? <laughs> she looked like she wanted to throat punch me all of a sudden. She goes, wow, the people, I just quit this job. I don't pay me enough for this headache and this heartache. I said, I just want you to know you're doing a great job. She goes, well, nobody else thinks so. I says, well, I do. And that's all that matters. She's like, who are you again? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Man, everybody else was tearing her down. I mean, the lady's doing her job there. A man in that only register at Dollar General that a human was at. And everybody was giving her grief. And I said, you know, maybe I should try in my feeble way to build her up a little bit. Hey, ma'am, you're doing a great job. You're the best Dollar General clerk I've met today. We have that power in our tongue to build people up, to be an encouragement. God says, I value a voice of wisdom, someone that strengthens and encourages. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. Watch this next part. The Bible says, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. And her tongue is the law of kindness. Colossians 4, 6, the Bible says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Grace and salt. You ever had food that wasn't salted? Brother Bryce, can I say this? Okay. I was talking to Brother Bryce and Miss Katie at the, uh, at the uh, teen banquet the other night. And uh, the guys that are already in college are learning that even though you're in college, you still get put back to work when you come back home and dad's the youth pastor, you know, and they work so hard. I appreciate that. And I was asking about how they met and all these kind of things, you know, and uh, Miss Katie told me, she says, one of the first questions Bryce asked her was, you know, she's from like, not down here. We'll just put it that way. She's not from down here, but she's a great, she's a great young lady and she has a little Southern draw. So she's getting it. Brother Bryce was doing good, helping her with that. And uh, one of the first questions Brother Bryce asked her, because she's from up there, was, do y'all season your food? Amen, Brother Bryce, a man after my own heart. That's all that matters. Y'all season your food? All right, we're good. I asked him, I said, have you introduced her to Tony's yet? He says, she has, he has. So he's on the right track. Brother John, we knew, has raised him right. He's asking all the right questions, doing all the right things. Have you ever eaten food that was not seasoned, maybe when you were up there? No offense. And you're like, ooh. You know, it's like the world's worst is grits without salt or butter. You know, that's, that's horrible. And it like needs salt. That's why we're all dying here in the South. 
We're fighting it out with West Virginia, who has the most obese state. We're, we're going to fight it out. Mississippi's going to be number one. We're going we're gonna to win something. We're going to be number one. And you're eating it, and you're like, gosh, that's horrible. Need salt. It's bland. Need something added to it. Can I tell you sometimes as Christians, our conversation needs some salt. It's bland. It's not encouraging. It's not uplifting. Needs salt. God says, hey, that when you speak, let no corrupt. Corrupt is tearing down. Corrupting something that is rotting down. He says, let it be good to the use of edifying, building up people. Here is this woman, and God says, I valued her voice because she gave wisdom. She had salt seasoned in there. Some people have a plain, old, bland, boring life. And you can walk along with your little salt shaker. Not a real one, okay? Just give a little salt. He valued her voice. But the second reason he put in verse 26 that he valued her voice was this is in her tongue is the law of what? Kindness. Kindness. Somebody put on Facebook the other day, not a whole lot good on there, but somebody put something on there the other day and I agreed with it. It may have been you, I can't remember who it was. Uh, and it says, in a world where you could be anything, be kind. Be kind. What is kindness? Kindness is generous benevolence. Generous benevolence. We're encouraging, lifting up, and being a blessing. This one, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. But then it gives us a caveat here. Not a caveat, but a pattern. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So he's showing us the model of forgiveness and the model of kindness, tenderhearted. It's Christ. It's Christ. Now, notice something in verse 26, and we're going to hurry. It didn't just say be kind. It says in her tongue is the law of kindness. Kindness isn't dependent upon the person or their deservedness. Why? Because Christ's forgiveness, tenderheartedness, and kindness wasn't dependent upon my deservedness. I didn't deserve it. And yet he was forgiving, tenderhearted, and kind to me. He was generous in his benevolence toward me. And God says, I value that. I value that. That somebody who can be kind to someone else, even if they don't deserve it. He says, I value this lady. Why? She opened her mouth. I valued her voice. She gave wisdom. And she had kindness. It was a law of kindness. You know, laws apply to everybody. So does a law of kindness. Well, I'm just not going to be kind to them. Held up the line in Dollar General for 15 minutes, over two bucks. No, no, no. Laws apply to everybody. The law of kindness. The value of her voice. And finally, the verse you've been looking for, Verse 27, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Now, look at the second word of verse 27. The Bible says she looketh. She looketh. So God has not only given us a hint of what she was talking about, God gave us a glimpse into the things that she was seeing. He's showing us, number three, the value of our vision. The value of our vision. She looketh well to the ways of her household. So what's happening here? Notice that God is noticing what she was noticing. Okay? God was paying attention to what she was paying attention to. And what she was paying attention to, she was being attentive to what she was called to. The things that God had placed within her care, she was looking well to them. 
all right? She wasn't overlooking what God had called her to. She was looking well to the ways of her household. Those are things God placed within her control and within her care. He says she's looking well to them. That means I value her vision. She sees the things that I want her to see. Now, in an age of opportunity, boy, we live in it, don't we? In an age of opportunity where we can do all of these different things, we shouldn't forget of the things we're called to. And all the things you can do, don't forget what you're called to, that God has placed certain things within our care. Husbands, listen to me. If you're married, that wife is within your care. Look well to it. God says, that's the kind of vision that I value. You look well. Listen, wives, you have a husband, you have children, husbands also with the kids. God has placed them within your care. Look well to them. God says, that's the kind of vision that I value. But oftentimes we start overlooking what God put within our reach. Maybe bigger, better, badder, whatever it is. And we neglect what God placed within our care. God says, that's not the kind of vision I want you to have. I want you to see the things I've placed within your care. Remember Peter and John in Acts 3. There was the lame man sitting on the steps of the temple asking alms. The Bible says in verse 4, and Peter fastening his eyes on him. Peter fastening his, ooh, fastening, I'm going to get one of those ropes and hold on to my head. Fastening his eyes on him. Watch. He was in his path. He was within his reach. What did he say? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. He looked well to the things that God placed within his line of sight. Now, if you want to please God one day, we've got to value the things that God says should be within our vision. Luke chapter 10, the good Samaritan. The Bible says that when he came to him, he saw him. What did the other two guys do? They passed by on the other side. They overlooked him. Now, if they made it to heaven, there's going to come a day where they lose and are denied reward because of what they overlooked. They didn't see what God placed right there in front of them. That was someone who had a need. If you put it simply, what was it that this woman saw in chapter 31? You look, you read about her husband, you read about her children, you read about her maidens. You read all of these people that are down here in chapter number 31 Simply put, all of this labor and work, and even the verses we didn't read, it was about others. It was about others. She had vision for others. And tonight, if there's any way that I think we could please God with our vision, is that we have a vision of others. Now, folks, we are pre-wired to look out for number one. We are. Every time I ask my wife where she wants to go eat, I've already decided where I want to eat, and I've just got to bring her around to it. I heard that place had food poison. Somebody told me they found a hair in their soup there. Oh, and after a while, I'm going to bring her around to Fat Boy's Pizza because that's where I want to go. Why? Because I like looking out for number one. But God says, you know what? Look not every man on his own things. Every man also on the things of others. So God says, Proverbs 31. He said, there's a lady here who was valuable to me. Verse 10, he says, I, I want you to know I valued her virtue. Verse 26, he says, I valued her voice. Verse 27, I valued her vision. You know, if we start living by what God values tonight, the judgment shouldn't be any surprise to us. 
He's already told us, here's things I value. These things are important to me. Even though it's a lady, I promise you, men, God values virtue in your life. Maybe look at it as integrity. God says, I, I value your voice. Make sure that as you speak, you're giving wisdom, you're building up, you're edifying, and you have a law of kindness. No matter who it is, you're kind. Why? Because the laws apply to everybody. Use our voice for his glory. And then make sure that you value the things that I would value. You see the things that I see. I told Miley when she was little, you know, she'd get in trouble for her room not being clean and things along that line. And we went in there one day and we had a talk with her, you know. She gets that from her dad. Her mom's organized. Dad's a little bit, not so much. Went in there and she goes, well, what, what do I need to do? We said, you just need to look at it like mom and dad would look at it. Like, you know, would mom and dad leave that on the floor? Would, would mom and dad have left that toy or that checkerboard out? She didn't do a lot of it, but, you know, she's a kid. Kids like, act like kids. I said, just learn to see it the way we see it. And after a while, mom and dad will quit getting on to you. I mean, you know, we judge ourselves. We don't have to be judged. Our father says, just learn to see things the way I see them. Value the things that I value. Speak the way that I would speak and be what I was, what Christ is, virtuous in our life. That's how God values things. And if we want to hear well done one day, those things have got to be valuable to us as well. Let's stand together tonight, heads bowed and eyes closed. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. God gives us a glimpse. God gives us a view of what is valuable. I value virtue. I value a voice that encourages and builds up, and I value a vision that sees others. That's how Christ lived. And I pray tonight that we would learn to live according to his value system and not adopt the value system of this world. Father, thank you for this dear lady tonight. Thank you, Father, for her testimony. And Father, she lived in such a way that, Lord, you kept a testimony of her in your word now for all of these many hundreds and thousands of years later. And Father, I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to see the standard that you've set in your word of what you consider to be valuable and help us submit to that. Help us not lift up our righteousness that's filthy toward you, but Lord, help us submit to what you say. Lord, I pray we'd strive to have virtue, that we'd use our voice, Lord, in a way that's pleasing to you and have a vision where we see others, that Lord, we might hear well done for us in Jesus' name. Amen. With our heads bowed tonight.